We're going to turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. One verse of Scripture. I have an interesting topic, and, and this, this Bible study is coming actually from a book recommended to me by, it's coming from the Bible, let me just say that first of all. But some of the inspiration has come from a book recommended by the missionary that we had, Brother Mallory, Jeff Mallory. And, uh, and we're going to speak on this over the next few weeks. And we're excited about it. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, one verse. Moreover, it is required... Everyone say required. In stewards that one be found faithful. Moreover, it is required. In stewards that one be found faithful. And the title of this series is simply loyalty. Loyalty. Let's pray. Lord Jesus we love you today. We ask for your wisdom, your direction, your anointing, revelation to be imparted in this place. I am excited, Lord, about this topic. I'm thankful that I am in a great church and we are speaking to wonderful people. And I pray today that you will help build this great quality in our, in our lives as we unfold it in the scriptures. I pray God speak to us today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to do this series called Loyalty. And loyalty is the English word that we are most familiar with. But this word appears in many different ways, under many different terms, titles, words, in your Bible, but most commonly, it is the word faithful. The word faithful. Amen. If you look up the word faithful, it'll have words like trustworthy, loyal, all of those kinds of things. And sometimes we think of it when it talks about, the Bible talks about faithfulness, we think sometimes it means consistent and dependability, but it's primarily talking about trustworthiness and loyalty. And Paul is speaking about this when he says it is required in stewards that one be found faithful, one be found loyal, trustworthy. Amen. Loyalty is... You know, once we begin to unfold this, you're going to say, man, this is a big topic. Once you understand it, you'll, you'll see that it is one of the most powerful and godly attributes or qualities that Christian servants can possess. It is required of a steward that one be found faithful. The lack of loyalty or faithfulness is disloyalty and I've been 
I've been a pastor since 1987. I've been a minister since 1985. But, uh, no, uh, 1985, yeah, 1985, but a pastor since 1987. And I want to tell you, I have seen the greatest level of disruption and destruction in the church through disloyalty. It is greater than lust. It's greater than addiction. It's greater than all the, you, you name the sins. But this has been the greatest destroying tool of the enemy in a local church in my years of pastoring. Now, I believe that's why Paul says it's required of stewards. Now, a steward is a, in the church setting, is a leader. It's a pastor. It's a minister. It's anyone that is elevated because of their giftedness. Uh, in reality, though, I think it can be said that all those who are born again into the body of Christ are stewards. We are all stewards. We are, we are all people who have been entrusted with things from the Lord to manage on his behalf. He tells parables that... You know, a, a, a master goes into a far country, but before he goes, he calls his servants. And to one, he gives five talents, to another, two talents, and to another, one talent. I don't believe he's leaving any of us out in that parable. I believe he is describing the whole body of Christ. We are all stewards, and it's required in stewards that... One be found faithful, trustworthy, loyal. Now, I believe we are to be loyal to the Lord. Loyal to his truth. Amen. Loyal to his mission. Loyal to his honor. Loyal to the calling that he places in our lives. But I also believe that we need to be loyal to the leadership that we have within our lives and within the church, the leaders that we serve beside and the leaders that we serve under. Amen. I believe we need to be loyal to the teams that we serve in and work alongside in serving the mission of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, I got to throw myself in here a little bit. Ultimately, Loyal to the pastor that leads the church. And that's responsible, ultimately, for all the ministry and all the, all the people that are a part of the local assembly. Now, you'll see why this is important in a, in a few moments if you don't know. If you do know, I guarantee that you're going to see how huge this is in our lives. And I will tell you that in every one of us, loyalty, trustworthiness faithfulness will be tested. It will be tested. Now, I believe loyalty is more important and, and more required, and I believe it's required equally in all people, but it is, uh, it is more essential, if I can say it that way, in those who are gifted, those who are talented, those who have skill, those who have knowledge in whatever area or, or capacity in the church. Why is that, that 
uh, important because if a person is, uh, uh, is gifted but disloyal, even though they bring tremendous blessing to the church through their giftedness, eventually they'll destroy whatever they have built in the church. And that's true of all of us. That's true of me. That's true of you. Amen. If a person is endowed with knowledge, whether it's biblical or some other aspect, amen, and, and they, they buy that knowledge or buy that skill or buy that, that uh, uh, insight, gain influence within the church, and usually those with knowledge do gain influence within the church, eventually, if they are not loyal, if they are disloyal, eventually that influence will bring division and cause much hurt to others, even though people never start out thinking that that's what they want to do. But the enemy has a way in working his way into the church. If a person is raised up, entrusted, empowered by the leadership, and they become disloyal, it can cause tremendous damage. Now, I don't, I don't want anyone to be sitting here. You, it feels a little heavy in this. I, 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 I want you to understand that I'm not teaching this because I'm, I'm thinking I got to correct some disloyalty in the, in the house. Let me just go to the end of my message right here and now. God is about to give us tremendous things in this church. If we're ever going to go to a larger facility or multi-campus facility or expand our ministries, the loyalty of all of us will be tested. The loyalty of all of us will be tested. I'm getting out in front of this. I hope you you remember this because when your loyalty will be and your loyalty will be tested, and if you've been around any length of time, it has already been detested, uh, been tested, <laughs> maybe detested too. I don't know, but <laughs> praise God. Let me ask you this: What is better, a gifted person who's disloyal to his team? Or a less gifted person who's fiercely loyal. Which is better? A amazingly gifted person who is not loyal. Or a less gifted person who is fiercely loyal. The second one. The second one. Amen. You know why? Because ultimately, no matter how gifted we are, we will do damage if we are not loyal. Amen. Now, I believe disloyalty is a powerful weapon of the devil that he uses to damage the church. Often, he cannot destroy the church from outside. Satan can't hurt the church from outside. People could say things against the church and we just keep going and we keep preaching the gospel and people keep getting changed and he can't hurt the church from outside. But Satan knows that if he can infiltrate the church, and I don't mean send in false Christians, but raise up within the heart of someone an attitude that creates disloyalty, and then the devil can do a lot of destruction and a lot of damage 
Not from without, but from within. Amen. I want you to think about it for a minute. When Satan couldn't get to Jesus, when he couldn't hurt Jesus, (laughs) when the crowd was at moments going to seize him and throw him over a cliff and he just passed through the midst of them. What did he do? He found one among the twelve. Satan found one among the twelve that he could bring an attitude of disloyalty in. And we all know him. His name is Judas. Amen. When the Philistines wanted to hurt Samson, they attacked him many times and they couldn't defeat him. They couldn't bring him down. The only way that they could destroy him is from within. And so Delilah was hired. She won his heart, but she was disloyal to him. He became vulnerable to her and open to her. And she destroyed him from within. Disloyalty is Satan's secret weapon to work against the church from within. I already said all of us will be tested in this area multiple times in our life. This this is such an important topic. At this point where we're experiencing God moving in incredible ways, it's so important that we understand this so that we can deal with it when we feel it coming inside our spirit. Amen. Disloyalty is Satan's secret weapon. Brother against brother. Sister against sister. Team member against team member. Leader against pastor. Gifted and elevated by leadership against leadership. Amen. God, God elevated a family with inside the Jewish nation. He, he elevated the Kohathites. Amen. He raised them up. They were, they were descendants of Aaron and they were empowered and, and enlisted to be a part of the ministry under Moses and Aaron to serve in the temple. Amen. They, they, they served an important role in, in the ministry. They got to get up close to uh, what God was doing in the people of Israel. Amen. And, uh, but pride and resentment got a hold of them. Resentment toward Moses and resentment toward his authority. And I want you to notice what it says in Numbers chapter 16, verse 1 to 4. It says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, Abiram, the son of Eliab, and on the son of uh, Pelath, son of Reuben, they took men. I don't know how they took them. They didn't kidnap them. But they gathered them. They gathered men. And they rose up against Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representative of the congregation, men of renown, famous men, leaders in the congregation, mighty men among them, respected men among them. Notice what they did. It says they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said, you take too much upon yourself. (laughs) You're too big for your britches, Moses. For all the congregation is holy. 
Every one of them. Now, I don't know any pastor that could say that about his church. <laughs> All the congregation is holy. Amen. Every one of them. I want to tell you that, that Korah did not believe that for one second about all the people of Israel, that they were all holy and they, they all had their personal connection with God. God talks to each one of us individually. They weren't thinking that. They were simply thinking that, Moses, you seem like God is only talking to you and giving you the direction. <laughs> and so they were resentful. And I want you to notice what it says. They're holy, every one of them. The Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? I mean, you go into the tabernacle. The lights come on. <laughs> you spend a little while in there. You come out and you say, this is what God is telling you to do. Well, we're done hearing that. We're, we're, we're done with you thinking you can tell us what to do because he talks to us too. The next verse says, so, then, so when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. He thought, buddy, <laughs> you're not opposing me. <laughs> you're, you're, you want to read the rest of the story. It, it gets really interesting. It's, that's, you know, put that up, number 16. You can read that whole chapter. There's something about the ground opening up, people going down in there, ground closing up. I, I mean, it's, it's like something out of Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man on all the earth. His position and authority was delegated by God. He didn't even want to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. He said, send somebody else. Amen. They didn't care that the people didn't have a voice. They didn't care. That wasn't what Korah was worried about. They were worried that they wanted a bigger piece of the pie. What happened? Disunity, disloyalty, Satan attacks from within. But loyalty is a wall that will stop him in his tracks. Amen. Loyalty produces unity, but disloyalty causes division and separation. Very famous portion of scripture, Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3 says, Behold... How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. I want you to picture this. If you don't know what this is talking about, this is talking about the anointing oil when Aaron was anointed to be the priest, the high priest in Israel where they took the oil and they poured it on his head. And that oil is just running down like, like a blanket, covering him, coming down his beard, coming down his shoulders, uh, coming down his arms, dripping off his fingertips, running down his robe, dripping off the bottom of his robe onto his feet. He said, unity is like that oil that flows from the head all the way to the foot. Amen. He said, it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion. For there, 
there. Where's there? On unity, not on the mountain, not on Aaron's beard, but in unity. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. What kind of blessing? Prosperity blessing? Healing blessing? Maybe. But it's the blessing of life forevermore. It's the eternal life blessing. It's the salvation blessing. Hallelujah. Where there's loyalty which produces unity, there is a flow, an uninterrupted flow of the anointing of God in a church. When a church is bound together in unity, hallelujah, because they are loyal to each other and they are loyal to the leadership and they are loyal to the message and they are loyal to the kingdom. There is a flow that starts from the head. It comes down through the leadership and it goes to the very lowest part of the body. Hallelujah. Amen. To the newest person walking through the door. They say, what is it that I feel in this place? What is it that's moving in this place? What is it that's happening in this place? I'll tell you what it is. It is the flow of the Holy Ghost and it can only flow like that because there is unity. There's only unity because there is loyalty. Hallelujah. And people are bound together. Hallelujah. And they're loving one another. Amen. And because they have created that environment, there is an uninterrupted flow. Praise God. Amen. And there the Lord commands the blessing. What is that blessing? That's the blessing that causes people to find eternal life. To keep eternal life and to find eternal life. That is, that is the growth key. I remember a long time ago I heard that Brother Teclamarian, which was the leader, he's passed away not too long ago, but, but leader of the church in Ethiopia. And they said they never ever prayed for revival. They only prayed for unity. You say, really? Because they knew that if they could be unified, there the Lord commands the blessing. Amen. And they had tremendous, 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 tremendous revival under incredible persecution. Amen. Why? Because in a toxic atmosphere where there's disloyalty that creates disunity, there is a fracturing, there is a disruption of the flow, and there is a stagnation of the Holy Ghost in the church, and there cannot be any growth. Amen. We cannot minimize this quality of faithfulness, loyalty. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22 it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, loyalty, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Praise God. It's a quality that God looks for in leaders. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, it's speaking about Moses. It says, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I may use this scripture in a future uh, Bible study next week or the week after or whatever. But, but this, this scripture, not so of my servant Moses. He is loyal in all my house. It's actually talking about when... <laughs> When Moses' brother Aaron, the high priest, 
and his sister Marion, who led the ladies in a great dance after they came through the Red Sea. They came to Moses and they said, you're getting too big for your britches. And they challenged him. And God showed up in the temple and he said, hey, you three, come into the temple. And they came down to the tabernacle and God says to Aaron and Miriam, he says, you think you're prophets? And you are. When I speak to a prophet, I speak in visions and dreams. And, but I, I, don't, I don't speak to Moses that way. I don't speak to Moses in riddles where I wakes up in the morning and go, I know you talk to me, God, but I just can't figure out what this all means. I could say what it, you said, but I don't know what it all means. Amen. He says, I don't speak to, to Moses that way. I speak to him mouth to mouth. Face to face. I speak to him clearly. Why? Because he's so loyal to me. And really it was a convicting message to Miriam and to Aaron. Because they were being disloyal to their brother. Whom God had chosen to be the leader in Israel. The Bible is full of these crazy examples. Of how disruptive. But also how powerful loyalty can be leaders are encouraged by the loyalty from those who serve with them and under them i can speak as a leader hey man when people when people come alongside especially in times of struggle and they come alongside and they take their stand with you and they say, I'm standing with you, pastor. I'm standing with you, leader. I'm standing with the church. When things are shaking and others are not as loyal, let me tell you, it, it emboldens leaders. It emboldens leaders. Hey, man, there's a story in Samuel when Israel was under tremendous pressure and under attack and and Saul who really wasn't in a good place with God was over there hiding they're hiding in the holes and Jonathan said to his armor bearer look we're not going to stay here hiding any longer let's go over to the Philistines and first Samuel chapter 14 6 to 7 in the ESV it says Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor come let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, that's the Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us. It may be that the Lord for, will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish, Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Wow. Now you got to understand, this wasn't a great plan. And this wasn't really great confidence. He didn't say, oh, I have a word from the Lord. No, he said, maybe the Lord's going to help us. We're going to go over and we're going to say to the garrison, the Philistines, two of us, you and me, and I got the sword and you got the shield. And we're going to go, hey, Philistines, you want to fight? 
I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure. I know the Lord can win a battle with only a few. He doesn't need many. And maybe, just maybe, the Lord will help us. I don't know about you. I get in trouble sometimes for not being clear. Not being emphatic. Not declaring absolute. Well, sometimes, you know what? Sometimes we're not absolutely sure. I know, I know. Some people think that the pastor always hears from the Lord. They come to church and they think, man, pastor, he he probably knows what I was doing yesterday. Probably not. (laughs) Even if I preach about it, I don't even know I'm preaching about you. Sometimes it's not always clear what we're supposed to do. The door opens, but, you know, is that a door from the Lord? Is, what is that? Is that a real opportunity or is that just wishful thinking? Jonathan said, perhaps, just maybe. Hey, man, come let us go over to the garrison of the Phil- these Philistines or these uncircumcised. It may be. It just may be that the Lord will work with us. But you know what he had with him? He had a servant that was loyal. He had a servant that said, I am with you, Jonathan. I am with you with all my heart. I don't need to hear from God. I'm, I, I'm buying into your vision. I'm buying into your, your plan. I know you don't sound very confident, but I'm with you. I, if you die, I die. Hey, man, we'll go down fighting one way or another. I'm in this with all my heart and with all my soul. Can I tell you that when people are loyal to their leaders and to their team members, hey, man, there is a boldness that comes into their heart. There's a boldness that comes into the church. There's a boldness that comes into the leadership team. Hallelujah. Amen. They feel like they could take on the very enemies that hold them back. Because people have linked arms and said, we are with you with all our heart. Loyalty is a powerful weapon of the Lord to put the church on the map. Amen. Amen. I've been on both ends of both loyalty and disloyalty. I've been on both ends. I've been with people that uh, would say, I'm going to do whatever you decide to do. I'm with you with all our heart and with all our soul. And then I've been with people who I knew were talking about me behind my back and criticizing. Calling people together in their little groups or in their homes, and they were having conversations. Hey, man, I've been on both sides of that. I know what it feels like to be boldened, and I also know what it feels like to be made weak by loyalty or disloyalty, depending on how it happens. Hey, man, I could tell stories, but I'm not going to because some of you people have been here so long, you might know what I'm talking about. I could reach back into Cornwall where I was 13 years and tell many stories. Amen. Many stories about people who were disloyal, who had tried to undermine. Amen. 
They weaken the, the, the leadership. But those who are loyal strengthen, strengthen and embolden the leadership. I like what Ruth did in Ruth chapter 1. It says in Ruth chapter 1 verse 15 through verse 17, it says, she, uh, and she said, see your sister-in-law has gone back. This is Ruth's mother-in-law. If you don't know the story of Ruth, it's an incredible story. It's about a Jewish woman who during a time of uh, weakness, maybe of faith in their life, they fled Israel. They went down into, uh, I believe it was the land of Moab, but I could be wrong on the, on the location. And she, the, the mother and the father took the two sons. The sons grew up. They ended up marrying women from, from that uh, land of non-Jewish people. Then the husband and the two sons died, and the mother and the two daughter-in-laws were left. And finally, Naomi, uh, was it Naomi? I don't think that was, that, that was it. But anyway, the mother-in-law, the mother decided she was going back to Israel. I should have got all these names straight before I got started. And while she's going back, she says to the two uh, daughter-in-laws, she says, you go back to your people, marry the, the men you want to marry, worship the gods you want to worship. And one of the daughter-in-laws left. But Ruth, it says, if we read this, it says, she's, uh, see your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more. Also, if anything but death parts me from you. Ruth. Ruth. What was it? Was it that she had so much faith in the Lord? No. It was that she was loyal to her mother-in-law. And if you read the whole story of Ruth, you'll find that Ruth married Boaz. And you'll find her in the lineage of Jesus Christ. This woman who decided she was going to be loyal in her relationship to her mother-in-law. Amen. Loyalty is not always easy. And it's not always easy to, man to maintain. Loyalty takes love, humility, and devotion. It takes love because it's harder to remain loyal when someone, uh, to someone else's decision when the time of suffering comes. Here you are being loyal to someone, and they lead you down a path, and hard times happen. I want you to imagine Jonathan's armor bearer. They go up the hill and, and uh, they start losing the fight. That's when Jonathan's armor bearer would either be strengthened or weakened and part of his attitude would be maintained by whether he loved Jonathan or not. It takes love for someone to be loyal. You have to love those people that you're loyal to. Amen. Why? Because it's difficult to remain loyal when you don't have love, when the pain starts or when 
when difficulties come. Amen. All, all you got to do is watch a church go into a building program. Church goes into a building program and, and as always happens, it happens in every building program. They run into difficulty. They run into trouble with the city. They run into difficulty with the money. They, they thought they had enough money. And then, like in the church in Ottawa, they, they, they get hit with a $350 bill from the city to pay for city buses. <laughs> Are you going to send more buses past our church to bring more people? No. But because you're going to have more people, we want $350,000 from you for the buses. They had to come up with bus money, amen, to pay. Let me tell you, when difficulties come, when struggles come, amen, when the, when the pressure is on, amen, that's where loyalty is tested. And those who do not love their church and do not love their leaders and do not love the teams that they serve on, that's when they turn coat and run. That's when they bail and they run. And so love is such an important factor. Amen. Our musicians, if you could get ready to come, but don't play. Humility is essential. Why is humility essential in loyalty, particularly loyalty in the church? Well, because sometimes there are people who genuinely are smarter than their leaders, at least in certain areas. They are smarter than their leaders. And because they, they sometimes are smarter in certain areas than their leaders, God is leading the leadership in a certain direction, and the smartest people didn't get the memo. Because God didn't necessarily send it to everyone in the church. He sent it to the people who had to make the decisions. And so they make, I mean, Jonathan says, let's go to the garrison of the Philistines. It might be. It just might be the Lord. It was a God-inspired moment. But Jonathan wasn't certain about it. He just, he just felt it in his heart. He, he didn't have a word from God that he could say, at this time, God spoke to me, and this is what he said. He just felt some inspiration in his heart. Amen. And, you know, this is probably a really dumb decision. <laughs> But I believe in Jonathan. And I believe that he has a vision. And I'm linking my arms up with him. And if he goes down and this is a bad idea, then I'll go down with him. We'll go down together. Amen. Sometimes it takes humility in the people that are working with someone that they're being loyal to. Because sometimes... When God is leading, not everything is as clear to everyone. And sometimes the pathway doesn't always make as much sense as it does in the natural world. It, amen. It takes devotion. So it takes love, humility, and devotion. Devotion has its roots in love, but it also has its roots in the sense of duty and commitment. Some people are devoted only to themselves. They love people, but they're devoted to themselves. They're not committed people, not committed to the people that they serve with. I want you to think about the man Gehazi. Do you remember Gehazi? Gehazi was the servant of Elisha. And Naaman came down to Elijah 
Because a young lady said, if you go down and see the prophet in Israel, he'll heal you of your disease. Naaman had leprosy and he goes down and, and, and uh, uh, Elijah doesn't even come out to see Naaman. He sends Gehazi. Gehazi is his servant. He's the guy that cooks the food and carries the water. And every once in a while, he is sent with a message. And so Gehazi comes out and he says, Elijah says, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. There's a bit of a struggle there, but Naaman finally goes and he dips seven times in the Jordan River and miraculously he is healed. And he comes back and he tries to give Elijah a big fat check. I'm just putting in modern terms. He tries to give Elijah a big love offering. (laughs) And Elijah says, no, I don't want your money. Go back to your homeland and worship the Lord. I'm simplifying the story. Gehazi comes out with the story or comes out with the message and says, Elijah doesn't want your money. And Naaman rides off toward the sunset. But Gehazi is gone. This is a really dumb idea to let that guy go away with that big check. This is a dumb idea not to cash in on what this guy wants to pay. We get paid from everybody else. Why not this guy? And so he runs after Naaman. And he concocts a story and says... Oh, we had unexpected visitors, (laughs) as if the prophet would have unexpected visitors. We've had unexpected visitors, and, you know, some people have come, and we've got to help them out. How about, uh, you know, just cutting us a little sliver of what you're about to give? Oh, Naaman says, no, no, here, take more, take more, take more. And Gehazi takes it and hides it in his tent and comes back in. And stands by Elijah. Elijah says, oh, Gehazi, where did you go? Oh, I didn't go anywhere. He said, oh, yes, you did. You went after Naaman. What was it? Gehazi lacked devotion to the ministry of Elijah the prophet. He loved Elijah, I'm sure. He knew that he was a prophet and that he wasn't. He knew that Elijah was a prophet and that he, Gehazi, was not a prophet. But he was not devoted to the vision and to the ministry of Elijah. He was devoted to himself. And so he went after Elijah, and as, or went after Naaman. And as a result, the leprosy of Naaman clung to Gehazi and he died away from the prophet, and probably away from the Lord. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying this is such an important quality. Without it, we will definitely not see the revival that God wants to give us. I believe God is taking LifePoint Church to the next level, but our loyalty will be tested as we move to the next level. Amen. Our loyalty horizontally will be tested brother to brother, our loyalty vertically with the leadership that is above us will be tested. Saints to pastors, leaders to leaders, senior leadership to the senior pastor, amen, saints to saints, on and on and on we could describe it. It all 
will be tested. Amen. Without loyalty, we'll fragment, we'll fracture, we'll stagnate, and we'll stay small. Amen. Without it, people will be out for themselves, out for their own lives, out for their own ministries, out for their own positions, out for their own glory. Amen. Like the brothers of Joseph who could not support the dream of their brother. Amen. And so they sold him out. Amen. They couldn't lift him up. They couldn't honor what God had placed in his life, so they sold him out. But Joseph, the very brother that they sold out, was the epitome of loyalty. He was the very opposite of their disloyalty. Amen. It was because of his loyalty that Potiphar promoted him. You may say, well, no, Potiphar saw that everything that he did prospered. That's not the only reason he put everything in his hands. Not only did he see the blessing of God on him, he saw that he was faithful. He saw that he was loyal. I don't take every successful person and give them my credit and my debit card. Amen. I would have to know that they are loyal. Amen. But Potiphar saw his loyalty and promoted him. The warden of the prison saw that he was loyal and he entrusted him. Pharaoh rose him up, raised him up out of the prison house and he empowered him because he could see that he was loyal and that he was blessed. And ultimately, God blessed Joseph because of his loyalty. Amen. And as a result, everyone saw the blessing of the Lord upon his life. I believe God is taking life point to the next level, but I believe our loyalty will be tested, our loyalty to each other and our loyalty to leadership. Amen. If we could in this church, and I believe we are, every evangelist that we have that comes by, they say we can feel unity in this church. They say that we can feel unity, and unity doesn't mean, you know, there's not a little grumbling, complaining here and there. That, that's just life. But for the most part, everyone is linked up, and everyone cares and loves one another. But I believe if we continue to build this culture of loyalty, that growth will flourish, anointing will flourish. You know what, how, what else flourishes in a culture of loyalty, where we have loyalty to one another? Boldness flourishes. We can be bold in believing the Lord because we know our brother and sister, they love us. They're not against us. They're not tearing us down. They're supporting us. Amen. Amen. You know what else flourishes? People can take off their mask in a church where there's loyalty. We can be who we really are. We can admit our faults to one another. And we know we won't be thrown out of the door. Amen. Why? Because we're loyal to one another. Even in our failures. Even in our struggles. Even in our ignorance. Even in the things where we make mistakes. There is loyalty. And we can be vulnerable. We can be open. We can be honest. Because our brothers and our sisters are loyal to us. And we're loyal to them. Hallelujah. Amen. We can hold one another up when someone falls. And we can lift up and honor one another when God blesses and God lifts up and God empowers. Hallelujah. I believe that culture of loyalty is critical 
to the success of LifePoint Church. I believe it's here, but I know it will be tested. And so it's so important that all of us are aware. Next week when I teach, I'm going to talk about the stages of loyalty and disloyalty. So we'll understand it goes from this to this, onto this, onto this, onto this. So that we can see it as it creeps into our heart or it creeps in the heart of someone else. And and we can help one another to deal with it so that we can remain together. And we can remain unified and not be fractured and torn apart from within. If Satan desires to do anything, he desires to destroy us from within. And I'm here talking about one area that is a big, big door that he tries to walk through. And if we know it and we can catch it, I believe that God can help us to continue to go to the next level. Am I making sense here tonight? Hallelujah. I wonder if we could stand. We taught for quite a while. But I wonder if we could just lift our voices. If you want to come and stand around the front for a moment or two, you're more than welcome to. I want to just worship the Lord and allow the sweet presence of the Lord to sweep into this place. Hallelujah. I want Him to bless you and bless, amen, bless the the, the word of the Lord that has been preached to you tonight. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord and worship.